One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Hello and welcome to the Don't Call It Soccer podcast. I'm Manuel Weff and as always I'm joined by Jack and Jack. We had a little bit of a name confusion last week, didn't we? Had to had to change things up, had to actually go back to the name that we originally used and didn't want to use and then couldn't use and now we get it back and everything seems to be in good order. But yeah, no longer the We Call It Soccer part, but the Don't Call It Soccer part. Yeah, so new name is the old name, I guess, that, that we had intended to use. But that doesn't really matter. We're back, and MLS is back, so we have a lot to talk about. After pretty a pretty crazy first weekend, and everyone that follows MLS will say, oh, you shouldn't have been surprised by the surprises that we saw in MLS. <laughs> it was a lot of surprises, but I guess before we do jump into the surprises, because one of the teams that did surprise us uh, is the Columbus Crew, right? And before we start talking about their surprise result, um, it's not that surprising. There's a lot of surprises that there is a lawsuit going on between the state of Ohio and the Columbus Crew's owner, Brescott, about what's going to happen next to the Columbus Crew. Because we still don't actually know, do we? No, we don't know what Anthony Precourt is going to do with the team he's Still talking up Austin, it seems like, but now, as you mentioned, the Ohio Attorney General has f- filed a lawsuit, so at least the crew could get it on record that they've filed a, a big grievance against the ownership group, I guess. What do you think that does, though? Can you sue the owner for wanting to move the team? Because from what I understand, so to recap, when he bought the team, it was 2013, right? The team was bought in 2013. He... Uh, had a clause in his contract that he was not allowed to move the crew except for to Austin, right? So if that clause is in the contract, how can Ohio sue um, or file a grievance against Brescott? I mean, I'm not saying he is right in what he's doing. I mean, I'd rather see a traditional franchise like the Columbus Crew founding member of the league stay where they are and figure out a way to make it work there. Because it's never nice for the fans um, to see their team leave. But, I mean, from a legal standpoint, is this really going to help them? I don't know. Maybe the court will decide that the franchise has to stay there and the owner will decide that it's not worth it. So he might decide to sell the team or or something. I don't know. Maybe an ownership group that would be um founded by crew fans could then therefore secure the future of their team in their city i'm not sure what it will do i don't know but i think fans have to be hopeful about it yeah it is it is for me i mean this is for me still one of the most fascinating subjects it's one of the subjects that in one of our first podcasts we talked about quite extensively and i mean this this question about is about who owns the game right 
is always such a fundamental question of the game in itself. It's probably one of the two key subjects when it comes to talking about Major League Soccer and the relationship to fans. I think who owns the game and how the game is run is one. And the number two is, of course, promotion and relegation, which is another big subject that, you know, doesn't really fit into the context of this, but sort of does because maybe we wouldn't even be talking about Austin as a location if Austin or clubs in Austin would have the chance to reach the, the top tier level of this of the North American soccer pyramid by promotion and relegation, right? And I think if someone like Prescott wanted, wanted to invest into football in Texas, he could buy a, a second or third division team there, invest and get the team to come up that way. Um, I mean, that's, of course, doesn't answer the question of how the relationship between investors and clubs, but... I mean, this is this is one of the two biggest fundamental questions about the game, right? And they sort of go hand in hand in some ways, don't they? Yeah, and what you're saying would make sense that if he really wanted a, a soccer team in Austin, Texas, he would just create one there instead of taking another team and moving it there. Yeah, but this is it's I mean, he has to if he wanted to, right? Yeah, yeah. In the current context, so uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I am. It's a great interview with Jesse March, I believe it was. Um, and they asked, um, I think it was Stuart Holden who asked him about promotion and relegation. And he was, oh, sorry, it was actually Tyler Dwarman. Um They look very similar. So sorry, Tyler and Stuart. Uh, I know you're two, two different people, although you do look, look the same. Um, in an interview, he asked him about promotion and relegation. I think this was against after the New York Red Bulls played in Cincinnati at the MLS Open Cup. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, Jesse March said, well, it's promotion and relegation is such an important thing or would be such an important thing because you have a team like Cincinnati, very well-supported team, um, a team that attracts, I think, 15,000 a game, right? No, it's like 22,000. 22,000, even more. So MLS size attendances in the third division, right? What is the third division? Well, yeah, it will be the second now because without uh, yeah. NASL, so USL yeah. so, being there. But yeah, they beat the fire on, in a penalty shootout on the way to, to that final. Yeah, so exactly. So you need, to, this is a great example of a team um, working really well, well run in the lower divisions that by rights should be given a chance to get promoted, right? And obviously there's the fan support there. So I, I think when you, I see stories like that, and I, I mean, it's similar, there's something similar happening in Detroit. Um, there's, there's other stories throughout North America where teams are doing very well, and they, they basically is a glass ceiling. And um, that glass ceiling also means that traditional teams, I, I often have this conversation, it's like, well, at least we won't, we'll never be relegated with MLS fans. And it's like, well, even worse, you might, your team might actually get moved. Like, what do you prefer, playing in the second division or having no football at all? Because that's basically what the system that we are going to. Because at one point in the future, in the near future, the league will be full. There will be no more franchises to be had because I cannot see a league with 60 teams. What do you do then, right? Um, so I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, that one day the MLS will be full and there will be no more spots. And then um, relegation is not the worst thing that it can happen if you're a fan of a team yeah exactly because if a team moves it's very unlikely you're good you're gonna get one back yeah. we, i mean we did see it with what with uh houston as they moved to san jose mm. and then refounded as the dynamo i believe so 
it, it can happen, but and I guess it's going to happen with Miami then and, and Los Angeles with LAFC coming. But is that really still your same team just because it's your city? The team moved, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a tricky question. I think this is something, I mean, both of us have a very European outlook when it comes to the league, but we still follow the league very closely, right? And it's um, it's it's a tricky one because on the one hand, I personally, I, I'm a big fan of this league and as it grows, but I think there's, there's certain things that I would like to see improved. And for me, that's, we wouldn't have this Columbus crew story, I believe, if um, investors could just put money into secondary cities and get them up through the natural order of things. Um, and it's interesting, you spoke about it last week, right? That MLS is the last league holding out with promotion and relegation. The only other the league in the world that did it um, was the A-League in Australia. And they've just brought it in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Because, and what, Liga Mekis has paused it, but it will be back. And yeah. it's really the, as you said, the last place in the world where it's not there. But mm. I don't know. I think it, it could go into into place in the future like you said mls is almost full i don't know how many more teams you can fit in mm. maybe 28 they're they'll have to cap it but then they're kind of bringing usl close maybe they would make that into the second division but still it's going to be the established order of teams that are already there i don't yeah. know how open the bottom of that is going to be so it's it's interesting yeah, it is interesting. And I mean, you, you mentioned Liga Mekis. Um, of course, they, they're pausing it, but they're still allowing teams to be promoted because they're just expanding the league from 18 to 20, right? And um, making a whole bunch of structural oh, yeah. changes to the league. Um, discuss this in great detail um, on the Golazzo podcast for more. But yeah, it's, it is definitely um, something. And I mean, something that we'll probably touch on um, as we as we podcast over and over again because this is just a fascinating topic and something that keeps creeping up but yeah we, we do stick with the columbus crew because um surprises is the is the keyword and um we both tuned into the season opener didn't we toronto against uh columbus crew and we were praising toronto so much last week you know new dynasty yeah, yeah they were coming off the the Concacaf champions yeah. league win over colorado and um yeah, and then they did a boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did watch. I didn't watch the entire first half because I was in Bundesliga duty, and then and I tuned in for the last sixty minutes. And I I thought Toronto was very unfortunate in this. Um, I thought that Toronto was actually the better side, but um, your man Sardis, you you called this pretty much, Jack. You know, he you said he needed a change of scenery, and he got it, and he basically got Columbus that win. Yeah, all he needed to do was go to the frozen tundra in Toronto. And I don't know, I guess, like you said, Toronto were the better side, but the crew were ready for that game. They were, they had a good plan to go and attack Toronto. And more importantly, they knew how to defend against them because I think that's a really, it's a really scary team to go up against Toronto FC in mm -hmm. this league just based on their attacking prowess. But yeah, they... Greg Berhalter came up there and really, I don't know, got the most out of his artists. As, like you said, he created that goal, put them ahead, and then Toronto had a chase and the crew could get another one. Yeah, and Greg Berhalter, um, of course, I know Greg from his 1860 days. Um, former <laughs> oh, 18... and what's that? Sorry, Zach Steffen, I think, had nine saves. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, I mean, Greg Berhalter last season already as a coach 
work miracles with this team. He's a good coach. He's a very good coach. They came up to Vancouver towards the end of the 2017 season, and I thought that um, Vancouver won that game. But I thought Columbus, that's a, that's a well-organized team. And Greg Behalder as a coach is doing some very good work there. Under, I mean, we just outlined all the things that are going on in the background under very difficult circumstances. I think that he's he's um, one of those up and coming young coaches um, and um, really getting there's a there's a philosophy there when they play right because they don't have the biggest budget. There's uh, the the relocation. Uh, angst i guess and uh, and then he just like puts this team together and they, they play good football they really do um and have a good goalkeeper on top of it yeah yeah exactly like you said and they traded justin miram to orlando he was one of their star players i guess last year and ola kamara going to la for zardis of course but um i think he, they do they do have a core there and regardless of what happens off the pitch i think they'll they'll have a pretty good year yeah, maybe maybe I'm I'm judging too much off that first performance, but I don't know. They they were solid last season. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to judge that first performance because you also have to remember that Toronto had two games in them, right? Not two back to back games, um, one in Colorado at the at very difficult um, conditions, and then that return game. So you almost wonder. And um, we see this with European sides that play continental football for the first time, all the time, right? Toronto, with all the success that they had in recent years, they're relatively unexperienced in the conquer of Champions League. So you almost wonder if this is a bit of a, oh, well, we, we don't really know how to cope with this in between. And um, there is so much pressure um, by the time you know this podcast will be out, that the first leg will have been played. But there was so much pressure on... Um, on so much focus on that big clash against Tigres um, ahead of this match, you know that you almost wonder if some of the heads were already maybe against against Tigres, you know, thinking ahead to that game against the Liga MX champion, um, and um, because there's a lot of line in terms of MLS prestige, etc. So you almost wonder: Do you think that that's maybe a little bit of the continental jitters, um, inexperienced playing midweek, weekend, midweek? Yeah, maybe that and also the fatigue of it. And they'll have this weekend off, so a little bit of time to rest after that game against Tigris, as you mentioned. But, um, yeah, I think it takes some, some getting used to, and you really don't have the squad depth to have two different teams playing. So a lot of those guys have to go and play in both games. Yeah, and then the conditions, the travel, etc. So, yeah, I think this is this is something that I took away from this. I think Toronto will be fine. Um, maybe... Uh, maybe the result came at the right time too, to just shake them awake a little bit. But yeah, I think Toronto in the long run will definitely be fine and um, think they still men- still remain being um, one of the favorites to win win it all this season. And uh, I guess next week we'll, we'll be discussing a little bit about um, that, that CONCACAF Champions League tie against uh, Tigres, massive tie. Um, yeah, I think they, they definitely don't have to go about changing their style or anything no. or really worrying as at least as much as Atlanta United might have to after allowing four in the first half yeah, to the Houston Dynamo. I was just going to get to that. Really, maybe real quick to Toronto. They hit the post twice too, right? So, um, you know, really unlucky. But yeah, speaking of surprises, well, sticking with surprises because this was a game that um, the result really surprised me. Atlanta United, not a team that we praise to the sky. We shouldn't be doing that anymore, man. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe not. Although I think we we had one in NYCFC that we'll get to later. They had a good game. Yeah. Okay. Oh, didn't jinx them all. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's interesting because we talked about the all the Latin American flavor with this side, right? And all the players that they brought in, the new style. Um, Barco, of course, hurt for this game. Uh, maybe a bit of a factor, but one of the other things that was pointed out to me is the fact that maybe they didn't, if all the creative power and the creative players that they brought in, maybe they forgot to sign a center back. What do you make of that? Yeah, that, that might be the case, but maybe they're still in the market. It's, same can be said maybe for a defensive midfielder because uh, with Carlos Carmona leaving late, possibly unexpected to, to Carlos Bocanegra and... Yeah, it, it was not good for Tata because he decided to go with Jeff Lorinovitz at center back and then he had to be moved to central midfield. Mm. And really, I mean, it's it doesn't look like anything is too certain for them. You know, I think there could be a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you know, the, the, Atlas, the Atlanta United correspondents for Pro Soccer USA, um, the company that I covered the, the White Cups for, he pointed out... Um, Gonzalez's Pereira's um, performance as being particularly bad. Um, that that first goal in the what was it five minutes in poor clearance right to Albert Ellis, um, and then you know that that the the doors just open for Houston. But I mean, at the same time, this is something that both of us said um, in our preview part. Houston are a good side. This is not you know it's not like Atlanta were completely overruled by one of the bottom feeders. This is actually one of the teams that come from a very, very competitive Western Conference where you really don't know where teams are going to end up at the end of the season. So maybe not... The, the win is maybe not the biggest surprise, but the, maybe the way it went about. And um, I thought that, you know, some of the goals... Um, Guzan, uh, the keeper, not the greatest day either, but the defense was just, yeah, just wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah, but Guzan made some big saves. I think they could have it could have been eight 0 without him. But it's it was surprising that they didn't score at the other end because they they created quite a few chances as well. Mm. Yeah, do you think that Baco when he comes back that will make a difference, or do you think that really do? do I mean, unless he unless he learns how to play center back. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> it is it is really that, isn't it? They do need to they need to go back on the market and maybe bring in another defender. That seems to be almost yeah. the bottom line, right? That you go out and maybe sign someone. Um, not sure with the, the transfer window. It's a little bit more becomes a bit more complicated. I think they 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 can't really shop until the summer again, right? Yeah, honestly, I I have no idea. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll see. I think there is still time to make some moves. Um, but yeah, that's that would be one to definitely watch. But I think long term projection. Um, are we down ranking TFC in Atlanta because of these performances, or are we going with the the general, um, the, the what the general public is saying, or the general all the journalists have been tweeting out when when you follow around, uh, you know, MLS tweets were very active on opening day, or most people seem to have agreed. Well, those two teams are going to be all right. Um, this is just a a glitch um and you know they will come back from this yeah it's just week one i don't think there's too much to to read into so far yeah i think so too well 
that's no, that pretty much concludes those two. Um, makes us go from Atlanta United from last season's um, last season's expansion team that surprised or did special things and did things a bit different to this season's um, expansion team, the LAFC, that we're all expecting um, bigger and better things than you know from normal expansion teams because. Um, read a really interesting article. Um, I think it was in the Independent. No, it was in Yahoo, Yahoo Sports about how LAFC are the team that can finally unite um, LA as a city because the Galaxy were sort of always um, a team that of stars, but never really transcended those international boundaries. It was more of like um, the Galaxy are more of like a white upper class team in some ways, soccer mom team, whereas LAFC really seems to be a team that seems to really transcend um, when it comes to um, uniting the entire city of LA, which is very diverse, very international, right? Um, they had their opening game, of course, as well, um, and against Seattle. And Jack, I have to admit, I was in BC Place when this took place, and people were watching it on the various laptops while we were watching the Whitecaps games, and there was more than one cheer when LAFC scored that goal. Um, you know, we're not the biggest fans of Seattle, in Vancouver, so um, but this is a very good result for them to, to kickstart this season, isn't it? Yeah, going up to Seattle and go even going down ten to ten men and managing to see that out as a one nil. I think uh, Bob Bradley was the only coach to have managed an expansion side to a clean sheet on the road before. He did it with Chicago, and now he's done it again with LAFC. So um, impressive stuff from Bob Bradley and the team that <laughs> we were laughing about having more owners than players last week. Uh, got it done on the pitch not just in the director's box because the whole game espn was just going up to there showing will ferrell i don't know who the other one was there i forgot but they were all in there and they were having a blast so oh yeah, yeah. mia ham right uh yeah yeah uh, magic johnson i believe is one of the owners um yeah there's a lot of star power but <laughs> did you see will ferrell's interview on fox <laughs> no, I missed that. Uh, it's very good. Is uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's all over YouTube, um, etc. And he's he was basically um, making fun of the the fact that they have so many owners and uh, that he's although he is an owner, he's not allowed to make any decisions. Basically, he's like he they asked him <laughs> if he has lots of ideas. And he's like, yeah, of course I have lots of ideas, but no one ever asks me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um yeah it's it's an interesting one because the yeah, the, the the boardroom I mean the, the amount of star power that they have but yeah the the, the result um I'm curious to see uh, what they are going to do because there is definitely a lack of squad depth and I I did look it up Jack uh, May first is when the transfer window closes so we have tons of time to to still sign players um. And there's a second transfer window from July 10th to August 8th, right? So yeah, yeah, we can still see tons of movement. Um, so really curious to see. It's it's so odd because basically I always feel until about August, teams seem to move a lot of pieces in this league, a lot more than in any of the European leagues. It's almost like. It's almost like how European football was before they brought in the, the two transfer windows, the, the set transfer windows. Because I remember in the Bundesliga, for example, you were allowed to make transfers all the way to the winter break. So you could sign players while there was uh, football going on, right? And then it was only then that they like 
may basically had two transfer windows and said well during this period while we're playing the majority of our football league, they guess what you can't sign and sell players so um, mls is very different because they only really shut that transfer window for a month and then they open it again until august and uh, <laughs> it, which means there's a lot of moving parts so you see lots of funny transfers um that also involve sometimes just money um tam and gam gets moved around um, looks like like people exchanging money and etc. So I think there's still going to be a lot happening with with LAFC, for example, but with a lot of the other sides as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As we see the international roster spots being traded for the various allocation monies, as you said. So um, there's definitely a lot of movement that's going to keep going on, and it's good because <laughs> otherwise LAFC would not be able to probably see out the season with a healthy eleven. No. No, because there's not much of an academy. It's all brand new. Um, moving from LAFC to the Galaxy, um, they beat the Timbers 2-1. That's another surprise because we didn't... We, we sort of questioned the Galaxy a little bit, didn't we, in our opening podcast. We didn't quite know uh, what was going to happen, how are they going to tackle things. Um, but I guess Siggy Schmidt being the new coach there... Um, that's a good coaching addition. Really, really good coach. And beating the Timbers on opening day, that's a fantastic result. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, Giovanni Severesi for Portland, his first game in charge, it's never going to be easy against someone like Siggy Schmidt who knows MLS like the back of his hand. So I think being with a, a team that he's familiar with, a structure that he's familiar with, um, it's not as much about the players maybe for the Galaxy. But when you can get the, the Dos Santos brothers going, I think I heard on the broadcast last year the most tackles Jonathan Dos Santos had made in a game was four, and he had six in the first half. Oh, wow. So he was, he was all over the place. That's a good numbers. And then Kai Kamara and Romain Alessandrini, um, the two scores. No, Ola, Ola Kamara. You have Ola Kamara, Kamara. Sorry, yeah, of course. You know, so I was thinking, I was even reading it in front of me, and I'm like, say, say Ola, not Kai. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ola Kamara scoring. Um, that is looking like a good addition. I mean, the Ola Kamara addition, we're, get, we're getting to him because he's a good addition too. But um, he looks like a good addition. I mean, this is this is a year where the LA Galaxy is sort of reinventing themselves a little bit, right? They, they have to move away from being the Galaxy, the Galacticus of MLS, to being a team that's sort of finding its way in a league that's very much changing. Yeah, it, it's definitely a transitional year for them. So, I mean, I think I still think the target can be the playoffs, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has to be. I mean, this is the thing in the Western Conference. Uh, I think all the teams there, um, maybe not maybe not uh, some of the some teams like Real or Colorado, maybe not quite yet, but most of the teams there have the ambition to at least get to the playoffs and i think it's it's going to be very very tightly packed in there in the western conference so um yeah i think it's a good start um but at the same time i mean this is match day one right uh i always say you have to wait at least five six match days until you get a clear picture of where teams which direction teams could um could head um in a sense so yeah, good result for the Galaxy. Uh, I think uh, fascinating result. I think Timbers still still a powerhouse, right? I mean, they're still going to be one of the teams to beat in the West um, for sure. And um, like the the teams that we mentioned earlier, even I mean Seattle is another one. Um, I think all these teams they're going to be fine in the long term. Yeah, probably the same can be said for Kansas City, who were on the 
wrong end of a 2-0 defeat from New York City. But um, I think Patrick Vieira has got them going, and they're in the front from the very beginning and could be the, the pace setters in the East. Yeah. That's, I mean, in New York City. But we had New York City FC as one of the, the top teams anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's just the beginning of the race. They're getting out to the front, so maybe they'll, if they can set a good pace, teams will have to chase them because now Atlanta and Toronto are kind of three points back, I guess. Mm. Uh, and um, with NYCFC, we had, of course, we had Ralph Hanna write an article um, on Football Zidaja on Jesus Medina. How did you see him? Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, I think he's he's going to be a key piece of that team without Jack Harrison. And they need someone who can do everything in midfield and get the ball to David Villa. Mm. It's, it's another one. I mean, we, we featured that so much last week. The, what was it? 25 South Americans um, signed average age 21.7. Jesus Medina is 20, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And a really, really good player from Paraguay. And we have a great piece up on him uh, on footballcidage.com. And I think, you know, um, this is this is, seems to be such a such a good way forward for these teams. Of course, City have also still have David Villa. But remember last season, Jack, David Villa was actually called up to Spain's national team. There is a chance that David Villa could actually go to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be kind of crazy for... New York City FC to have to deal with but I, I mean it'd be great for David Villa and still great for MLS as a league to say okay yeah you thought this player was retired when he came here but no he's going to the World Cup still is this a good kind of problem that you almost want to have if you're a team like New York City I mean I would say yes because the prestige that you get from that right and you, the league like, how many how many times did the league push uh, for Jovinko to be called up to Italy Right, maybe he should have. Been, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, um, and to have David Villa go to represent Spain at the World Cup, um, you know, two years after Liga MX is pulled off, Gignac going to the European Championships of France, I think that be that be something very. I mean, this 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 would be a problem that the league would like to have in some ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it might <laughs> might make the New York City squad a little bit thin in July. Maybe they'll maybe they'll add someone or bring someone up from the academy then. Well, they have tons of time. <laughs> they have lots of time to still sign players. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious. I mean, this is this is something that we definitely keep an eye on. Um, David Villa is, of course, still. I mean, when you see him play, and sometimes when he scores, some of these goals. I mean, there was that one goal that he scored last year, that lob, and um, from halfway, and you just think, how did he? pull that off um so yeah it's it's yeah i mean out, outside of one moment in the match where kansas city had probably the worst set piece ever and kind of kicked it back and forth before turning it over and giving new york city a three on zero which david Villa got caught from behind on because he's not as fast as he used to be mm. um yeah i mean i think he he looked pretty much uh the david Villa that we're used to seeing yeah absolutely so yeah, they're setting New York City FC, setting the pace. Now, um, Philly dominant against New England. I have to admit, Jack, I didn't see any of this. So do you? No, have, I, do you I have didn't to... see it either. I just saw the I just saw the expected goals number. So I figure we throw that in for that crowd of three point nine eight for Philadelphia to just point eight eight for New England. So 
I don't know. I guess they were supposed to have scored four, but only scored two. Hmm. Well, I wish we had Chris Williams on here. He can tell you exactly how he feels about XG. <laughs> and statistics and numbers um i mean these are two teams that honestly new philly and new england they always kind of go under the radar a little bit i feel in this league you know yeah i think new england are gonna have to dig if they don't want to be in the basement but philly i don't know maybe they could surprise some people this year yeah maybe we'll have to get a philly specialist on um at some point because i have to say i don't we don't often get this come they don't often come out here to to the west coast and same with new england i don't think we saw them last year in vancouver either so this is um yeah interesting one but speaking of vancouver um i was in vancouver and i did cover the whitecaps a season opener against the montreal impact and that was a fantastic game jack it was, it was very good and i'm i'm i was and everyone i guess in vancouver is just absolutely ecstatic about alfonso davis and the way he played in this game he was um just fantastic that that opener that he set up for k kamara uh, not Ola. see what i did there i got it right <laughs> <laughs> k kamara oh my word that cross um this is something what was better the cross or the header because kai kamara smashed that at a very very tight oh, angle into the that i think there's could be something and it's interesting because the oldest guy in the squad and the youngest guy in the squad right uh, <laughs> Um, maybe the Kai Kamara coming to this team is what Alfonso Davis needed because that run Kai Kamara's run was perfect um, you see him cross in and he's completely free so that was a perfect run but that cross I mean he only had he didn't have to jump or anything that cross was nailed on his head right when you when you watch the replay of that cross it's a perfect arc that finds exactly that spot where where they expected where Davis expected Kamara to be. So I think it is really just two players. One was really experienced, knowing to make the run, and and uh, you mean first of all you have to play across like that. And um, I, I thought that 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 entire play, that entire setup was just fantastic. But I mean, this was one of many occasions uh, where I thought Davis was. Um, very good um, and Kai Kamara was very good as well um, he actually won the man of the match um, funny side story you know why he won the man of the match Jack <laughs> yeah I, I think it was a man of the match performance by Davies but for some reason he was ineligible to uh, to take home the hardware yeah because we are in North America so if you're a European listener feel free to laugh uh, do whatever so in North America I still can't believe this it's so funny so the award is sponsored by a beer company, a uh, big famous beer company. I'm sure you guys all know who they are. We're not going to mention them because we want money if we do. Also, we might have some underage listeners, right, Jack? So uh, we can't mention any beer on this podcast. Um, it's sponsored <laughs> by a beer commercial. And, Jack, and Alfonso Davis is 17 and the legal drinking age in British Columbia is 19. So he's not of age and definitely cannot be awarded the man of the match award. <laughs> Yeah, and if it was in the United States, you'd have to wait four years to win the award. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely hilarious. Like, it's not like the award is like a can of beer. It's like a, it's an actual trophy, right? It's, yeah. Um, so, no, he cannot even be associated 
worth the award because it is sponsored by a beer commercial and if you if you, anyone listening who's working for this beer company and you want us to mention this beer commercial uh the beer company as a commercial feel free we, we can be contacted on various channels so we'll we'll happily take the money right jack <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely we are over the legal drinking age we so are over the legal drinking age absolutely we have to make this uh podcast rated but um yeah that's a totally different story but yeah i thought that was hilarious <laughs> because we were sitting in the press box and like, why is k kamara getting this i mean k kamara was good he was very good but he, he scored a goal and that's it um afonso davis set up a goal and scored a goal so that alone should have been enough but yeah, he did not get it because he's underage. Um, welcome to North America. But I, I think this is this is something that stood out to me. His his play has uh, matured enormously um, from the end of last season to this season. Uh, the fact that he nailed down that starting position, the fact that he got the uh, he he got subbed off in the 80th minute. I think for just to receive the standing ovation, which was much deserved at this point. I think that his decision-making is much better. And I spoke to him after the game um, and he looks mature. You know, he does look like he put up, um, he put some muscle mass on Jack and he looks stronger and um, he he was always good making dribbles before and his, but sometimes his decision-making or when he went on one-on-one, he was just muscled off the ball. And this time that was not the case at all. Every time he went one on one, I, I think his, his he must have been close to eighty percent when it came to his his completed triples. Um, it was just brilliant footwork, and I think it's because you make a big step from right from being sixteen to seventeen, and right now he's he's making a step from seventeen to eighteen. I think you you're seeing that in his development. Yeah, I think by the end of the year he's going to be such a good player because, like he said, he's more physical, taking those players on and knowing to take players on and to go drive into the box instead. Of, I mean, he's so great at crossing, but the more he's going to drive into that box and continue to be dangerous there is going to create so many more opportunities for both him and his team. And I also need to actually point something else out. I think I apologize. First of all, I apologize, Carl Robinson. Your tactics, they were spot on. Um, I thought... That new formation, so traditionally Vancouver always sets up in a 4-2-3-1, right? They set up in a 4-1-4-1, and, um, which created that, a very compact midfield triangle and uh, gave um, the two wingers, Teixeira and Davis, were technically very, very good. A lot of freedom on the wing, and um, at times meant that Vancouver were playing in a 4-3-3. And I think this formation suits them better than the 4-2-3-1 and I think Kei Kamara and this is actually something that we pointed out right because he's so fast his work rate is so um, he has a very high work rate and I think that that system just suits the entire team better you know that um, pressing style is better in the 4-1-4-1 than in the 4-2-3-1 so I think all around a huge improvement on every level and um, we did play substitution bingo jack in the in the dress in the, the press box and we only got two out of three right this time <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah we only saw blundell come in for a, a couple of minutes there but i'm sure we'll see more of him as the season goes yeah i think that kai kamara i mean we, we alluded to this last week i think kai kamara is going to be the starter um and he they're going to bring in Blondell um, more and more and give him more and more game time. Or maybe go, this is something maybe I'm curious about when they go on the road, maybe they go to 3-5-2 
um, and and play both of them up front. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on um, um, going forward and something that I'm probably going to mention in an article. But yeah, what we do have next is the team of the week. Is there anyone that really surprised you in the team of the week? I mean, we both get to vote on the player of the week in, in a different contest, contest um, the, with the North American uh, Writers' Union, right? Um, soccer Writers Union, and we both casted our vote. I think for Davis, at least I did. I don't know what you did. Um, is it yeah, I don't, I don't want to reveal my vote, but um, uh. yeah, you could say that. Um, but yeah, and Alfonso Davis did make the the team of the week, as as you were alluding to. I think maybe a surprise for me was it's not a surprise based on his performance, but just that Phil Senderos is still around and scored a goal for the Dynamo. I think just his his thirteenth goal or something of his career. Yeah, and three, but, three players from Columbus. I guess that makes sense, right? Abu Bakr and Valenzuela uh, in defense and Higuain. They put him in midfield. Is is that really where he plays? That's a, that's a very attacking uh, 4-4-2 that they have there with Justin Miram, Federico Higuain, Jesus Medina, uh, Alfonso Davies, and then Danny Hosen and Albert Ellis up front because I think that could really be four, a 4-2-4, and that's if you have Davies as one of the wingers. Yeah, good thing that that's not a real team. <laughs> because that would be a very very uh top heavy side. Uh, we you know, top heavy sides is a bit of a theme. Oh. I think maybe maybe Lawrence Simon should have been in there. He's on the bench, but he was great for LAFC keeping that clean sheet. Do we know how they determined this because this is um sponsored by a German car maker, right? Um is this the the Audi index thing? that they basically go by uh, maybe it is and i don't know i, I tweeted after the nycfc the sporting kc game we another year and we still have no idea how the audi player index works because um they just show a post-match graphic that has like goals and both players at zero and then it just shows audi points and mm-hmm. i don't know how these metrics are determined but yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hosen, he won the, the North American Soccer Reporters Player of the Week vote as well. So, yeah. Two goals yeah. for the Earthquakes. He did. Deserved one. And Davis came in second, which I thought was, was quite deserved too. I mean, um, it's a bit of a tricky one. Of course, we all we all vote a little bit uh, determined to who we saw um, based on where we report, etc. So, it's, it's not... I mean, Player of the Week is a little bit... I always find the Player of the Week is a bit tricky. Uh, because you're also comparing apples and eggs a little bit, right? Different positions, different, different games, different. Um, yeah, it's just like why a defender, or goalkeeper never wins the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, exactly. And because and that's not fair, right? I mean, uh, Zach Stefan would have maybe been a good choice for the player of the week as well, based on his performance against Toronto. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. But so uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a fantasy team. And speaking of that, we are going to be having a fantasy league. So um, we'll be posting the link to that and you can join the Football Grad MLS Fantasy League. Yeah, we need to set that up today, right up, right after this pod. We'll set it yeah. up. Um, otherwise, we'll keep forgetting. And then we get it like halfway through the season. We still don't have it. That'd be a shame. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that basically concludes match day one it's not really match day one because some teams get buys uh, uneven league this year right so we, we have some buys in there um, but there is a lot of football action um, by the time this podcast comes out a bunch of the CONCACAF Champions League games will have been played uh, we'll, we'll get to those when when we um, you know when they're concluded 
But one game that is concluded is the first leg uh, Red Bull New York game against Tijuana. And those who listen to the Golazo podcast can la laugh at me personally because uh, I said uh, the Red Bull will have no chance to get through to against Tijuana. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night they scored two and became the first MLS team to win in Mexico. I think previously there were zero wins, five draws, 25 losses. That's not good. <laughs> That's not a good record. But I mean, this this competition has been dominated by Liga Maxis. Like they, 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 the Mexican sides are just so much, for a long time, have been so much better. There is a bit of a sense, though, that this year this could change. Um, you know, especially with the Sounders and Toronto being in this competition. Um, two very strong sides with big budgets. There's a bit of a sense that this could change. So we expected results maybe from them, although they both have very tough opponents in, in Chivas and Tigres. Um, we did not necessarily expect it from Red Bulls. And top of that, because they this was actually uh, the, only the third game of the season, right? They didn't get to play on match day one of, League, of MLS because they had a bye. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that definitely helped them. They were fresh for that. They'll play this weekend and... Yeah, I think against Portland. So, um, I don't know. It, it was a good result for them. And I think if they can get through this tie, that will be something that MLS can be very proud of. And then you're already in the semifinals. Right? Yeah. Um, and then you get you get either Chivas or Seattle in the semifinals. Um, and, you know, if I think that there is a chance that we will have once again an MLS team in the final. Is it going to be enough? Um, I don't know. And also there's a second leg to be played. So I pointed this out yesterday. Um, when I pointed this out, a bunch of my Mexican followers were like, this is the first leg. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. It is, it is hard to come back yeah. from a 2-0 um, home defeat. Uh, if this would have been in New York, I'd be like, hmm, there's still a game to be played in Mexico, right? And I, I remember the one of the first CONCACAF Champions League games I saw was uh, Montreal when Montreal were still in the USL against Santos Laguna. And uh, Montreal won their home game, um, I believe, 3-1. And they were up 2-0 in Mexico. And I thought this was done and dusted until the 70th minute. And guess what the final result was? It's 5-2 for Santos Laguna. Yeah, that was, I remember that. It was a crazy game. It was a crazy game, <laughs> but it was enough to get Santos Laguna through. So... Uh, things happen but this is a diff bit different and we are a few years down in the development of north american north american soccer i mean that the game has grown since and going to Tijuana now will have to travel to new york um and they it's not an easy place to play there um in harrison new jersey game is actually the game is actually in new jersey right so um yeah curious i mean uh, Curious to see if Tijuana can turn this around, but my gut instinct says that New York will probably go through um, this time around. Yeah, I think so. I think they can manage to protect that 2-0. Yeah, they, sh they should be able to. Well, that gets us to really already next week. Um, anything that we're looking forward to? I mean, there's some some really interesting some really interesting matches. Um, some teams haven't even played their first matches yet because of the, the weird scheduling, right? Chicago, New York Red Bulls um, coming off that win, Colorado. Um, I think the team that I'm, of course, looking most forward to is Chicago. And they're playing 
um, on Saturday, right? Yeah, they play at the same time as the Whitecaps do, though. So. Oh yeah, well I know that that means I'm, you'll have to record it. I will have to record it. Uh, I'll be I'll be covering the Whitecaps um, game against Houston for Pro Soccer USA. So yeah, have to have to see what my man Schweini is doing um, after the game. But um, yeah, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting fixture because we we haven't really seen with Chicago what they can do, and we sort of been questioning if they have done enough to to build a side that can win a championship for Schweinsteiger, right? Because that's really why he extended his contract that he gets a shot. And um, Sporting Kansas are not a bad side. No, no, they're not. And coming off a opening day loss, they'll be hoping to at least get a point on the road to Chicago. Mm. And that's really also the same. It's also actually kind of true for um, the New York Red Bulls. They they start kicking off the season at home against the Portland Timbers. And this is a Timbers side that also lost their first game. And we also sort of have put down against as being one of you know the favorites maybe to win even the league, right? So um, another team that's looking for a rebound. And um, New York, of course, um, they had that midweek game and then they have this game on the weekend and then they have... A big fixture come up next week. Um, the return fixture against Tijuana. So, um, really, really interesting. I think it will be interesting to see what they're going to do in terms of rotating the squad. Mm. How are they going to react um, um, to the midweek fixtures, and how Portland will try to rebound from from their first defeat? Yeah, I mean, you have to put on a show for the crowd at home. But are you going to really be focused on resting some players for that second leg against Tijuana next week? So. A couple of interesting storylines. Giovanni Severesi going back to the New York area, former Cosmos coach. So maybe a little bit of a homecoming for him as well. And yeah, like you said, I mean, Portland, after that loss to the Galaxy, they'll be looking to get three points. Mm. Oh, and then finally, Colorado. Um, Stefan Eigner, my, my fellow Munich expatriate, is playing for that team. Um, Got to interview him last year when he was came out to Vancouver, but this side does not inspire me at all, Jack. I, and then they're playing against a team that you know doesn't inspire me either very much with the New York uh, Revolution, uh, New England Revolution. Sorry, it's not exactly a marquee fixture, is it? No, but I think it could tell us a lot about how the bottom sides of the conference are going to shape up. If New England loses again, then they'll really be in the basement and from the start maybe they'll go there the whole season but Colorado I think they their coach said that the CONCACAF Champions League was like a scrimmage like a preseason so let's see how effective those warm-ups really were for them in in the 2-0 aggregate loss to Toronto it's uh, we saw that after the Toronto uh, it raised some eyebrows I think you, you think that was maybe a defensive mechanism yeah so- yeah honestly I can't blame him because you're probably going to lose to Toronto anyway. So are you just saying, oh, we didn't care? We didn't even want to win because you weren't going to or, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was a poor. But Colorado is such a weird franchise for me too. That entire setup that they have there. Like they have such a hard time attracting people to that stadium. You know, I think the, the, the game against Toronto was almost like a friendly. And... um we're talking about teams like Columbus maybe being moved, but Colorado, I mean, they don't even play in Denver. They play in Commerce City, right, outside of Denver. And it's such an uninspiring franchise in so many ways for me. I just don't, 
I apologize to any Colorado fans if you're listening, but I just I don't see anything from that team um, at the moment. And the, the the fact that that stadium is always empty, I just don't I don't know. It's just not not a team that you know really inspires much uh, for me. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to make some more investment other than just in Tim Howard. Yeah, well, Stefan Eigner I thought was a good move, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if, how long he's actually going to be there because they had this discovery rights. That's how they got him, right? So um, that's actually maybe one to look out for him to be potentially moved at some point because I, I could see him going somewhere else um, to a more ambitious side, maybe. Um, yeah, and then, is, you know, is there any other fixtures that really stick out? I think... The, the the big one of course on Sunday um, NYC FC against LA Galaxy right like uh, what do we even call that cross continental um, matchup of the two teams that traditionally had the biggest budgets um, <laughs> that's a bit long for just <laughs> <laughs> the two Galacticos in some ways because these are two teams that you know from the two big US cities and there is a bit of an LA New York rivalry right I mean, if I, that's at least how I get it as a perspective. Sometimes looking in from Canada across. Yeah, I think I think it's good now, and with two teams in both cities, you know, you mm. get more of these kind of matchups. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it is an interesting because, like, I mean, these are traditionally two teams that have a lot of money and spend a lot of money. New York Red Bulls is a bit of an odd one, right? Because they're technically in New Jersey um, and Harrison, so it's it's a bit of a different one. But yeah, that's definitely. I mean, this is this is going to be a very good match to watch. Um, I'm just looking, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Houston Dynamo against Vancouver game, especially after the show that Houston put on, on, on the first match day. I'm curious to see if they can keep that up and I'm um, curious to see if Vancouver can keep up their performance. So I think that that's going to be a very good game. Um, as yeah, well I as definitely, oh, sorry. I'm definitely looking forward to watching Real Salt Lake against LAFC. Yeah. See if they can keep that. Utah at this time of the year is not fun to play at though. Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Vancouver had a snowball. Uh, like they played there doing snowmageddon last season, and uh, there was a there was I think a couple feet of snow on the ground, and it's a horrible place to play at this time of the year. Um, I guess this is, this brings us into the, like the question that we um, have been discussing off the pod about can the season be moved to a European schedule, right? Like going to, going um, from from fall to spring rather from spring to fall and then you look at some of these places like colorado um utah you simply can't play there at this time of the year it's just so cold right yeah and maybe they shouldn't have a team in miami but just play all the games down here for the first couple months because yeah it would, it would be great here but and then in the summer you can go back to to utah and colorado where it'd be a lot nicer yeah yeah I mean, it's fine on the West Coast. I mean, this time of the year is perfect for, for football um, to play soccer because we have average temperatures of 10 to 15 degrees starting in March. So, you know, and even in Canada, we have better, we have better, nice and warmer weather than they have in some places in, in the continental United States. So, yeah, I think that is always the biggest um, talking point um, when it comes to maybe moving the season to a different schedule. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Jack, I think that's that's almost we got almost everything covered. Um, is there anything you want to add? No, I don't think so. We got a lot in there. Oh yeah, we definitely have. Well, then let's wrap it up, Jack. Where can people find you online? What what have you been up to? 
um, yeah, the floor really is yours to pluck whatever you want to pluck. Yeah, uh, we just had the Scattered Football Handbook come in last or come out last uh, Friday. So if you haven't seen that, make sure to check that out. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Grimsey if you haven't done so already. Yeah, definitely go give Jack a follow. Um, you can find this podcast um, on all the other podcasts, some of which we have alluded to during this podcast. Uh, at Football Grad Live, that's the, the Twitter handle for everything that we do on the Football Grad Network. We do a lot. I mean, we do game previews, we do feature articles, we do interviews, we do lots of podcasts. So um, that can all be found at Football Grad Live. And if you have any questions or comments or anything, really feedback or even topic suggestions on anything that we do, um, message us at Football Grad Live or you can email us contact at footballgrad.com. Um, yeah, that's, it's always good to hear those feedbacks and you can also please, and if, you know, give us a rating on iTunes, it really helps us grow as, as a brand. We're on iTunes, we're on Acast. So yeah, that really helps us grow as a brand. So yeah, that's pretty much it. You can follow me at Manuel Weff, um, on Twitter and yeah, all my work mostly are at Football Grad Live or for Pro Soccer USA, where I cover the Vancouver Whitecaps. Well, that's it until next time, Jack. Good chatting with you as always. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Cheers and bye-bye. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.